0: Welcome to the Leadership Matters Podcast, where we talk matters of leadership, because leadership really does matter. Here's your host,
1: Jeremy Albrecht. Hey leaders, welcome to episode 34 of the Leadership Matters Podcast. So excited to be back with you this month with another Leadership Top 5. I've got a special guest, a personal friend of mine. We've been friends for years, and just so excited to finally get him on this podcast. He's a sharp thinker, a forward thinker. And uh, I know you are going to be blessed by listening to this particular episode. So why don't we get right to it? Here's my conversation with the Reverend Jeff Hillier. All right. Well, I've got a longtime friend, uh, one of the sharpest thinkers that I know. Um, He's an adventurer. He's a coffee enthusiast. He's a husband, a dad, dog lover. Uh, All kinds of dogs in his home right now. And also a lead pastor. And so it's a a real pleasure and honor to have the Reverend Jeff Hillier on the podcast today. And so uh, Jeff, welcome. So good to have you. And uh, maybe you could get started, Jeff, by just telling us a little bit um, where you're currently pastoring, how long you've been there for, and maybe some even uh, some history, some ministry context where you've ministered in up to this point in your life.
0: Sure, Jer. It's uh, great to see you again and to talk with you again. And thanks for allowing me to be on this. Uh, uh, we we First of all, before I answer your question, I do love dogs, but the three dogs that are currently in my house <laughs> do not make me overly joyed. Uh, I'm happy for the people who own them, but our house is chaotic. All right. Sure. So the question was uh, how... Uh, Where am I at and how long have you been here? We came to uh, Orleans uh, Community Pentecostal Church in 2012. So we've been here for just over eight years, uh, lead pastor. Prior to that, uh, I did your role and did did that for eight years. um, And then the last five years in district office, I had a weird portfolio called um, Mission and Ministry Specialist and it, it had uh, a bunch of other things on top of the youth director role. I know some of those things you're doing too. Um, so, I did, so I was there for 13 years and prior to that, I spent four years in Pembroke as the youth pastor. Wow, that's that's quite a rap sheet. Um, yeah. Jeff, you, uh, did you
1: always know, uh, you said you kind of started out, I, I know a bit of your journey, but even for our listeners today, uh, went to Bible college, you started out in Pembroke there. Talk about, just for a real snap, quick snapshot here, but just the, your childhood. Do you always know as a young boy you were going to grow up and be a pastor, be a leader? Is that something that kind of evolved over time? Was there a specific point in your life? Talk to us about that for a second.
0: Um, when, when I was a kid, we lived in Brampton, and uh, we went to Kennedy Road Tabernacle, and I remember a Sunday where the kids were brought into the main uh, auditorium for Sunday school, okay. and Ron Henry was the senior pastor, and he he brought a kid up on stage, and he said to the kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? And this kid said, I want to be a pastor, and everybody oohed and awed and and did all those affirmative things, sure. and I sat in my seat. I I was probably six years old and I thought, what a chump that (laughs) he just said that because he knew he would get a a positive reaction. And then I said, who in their right mind wants to be a pastor? And so, so being a pastor was the furthest thing from my mind. Uh, I was pretty determined that I was either going to be a lawyer or a uh, phys ed teacher Uh, for high school
1: okay
0: that was kind of the those are the two trajectories i had planned for my life and then uh them uh two two things i think i uh answer your question i when i was about 15 roy stevenson was at our church and he he asked if i would be willing to go to a leadership conference which back in the day was called firehouse uh now called initiate um and he said to me I see you as a leader. No one had ever said those words to me, and uh, they—they were words that never left my mind or my heart. Hmm. Um, that someone saw leadership inside of me, and—and and for the first time, I had to wrestle with what that meant. Uh, around that time, God was doing a lot in my heart, and—and uh, and it was a—it was a Sunday in in February of, I think it was like 1988, where where we had a uh, music team from the Bible college come to our church and they they shared in music and preaching and their testimonies. My heart was alive in both services. I saw life in them. And I said to God that night, I, I want what they have. I, I want the, the, the life that's inside them. And, and that night I felt like God was calling me to full-time ministry. And um, and yet for the next six months, I argued with God because I was pretty shy. Uh, and I couldn't see myself standing in front of people. Wow. So for six months, I I argued with God. And I won't walk you through it all. But but finally, Darren Godfrey was our assistant pastor at our church. He preached a message one night in June and asked the question, if you could do anything for God, what would you do? And in my heart, the response leapt out it was I would go into full-time ministry. And that was the moment I knew that I knew that God had called me. And Jared, I got to tell you, from that moment on, I was I was pretty weird. I, I know that sounds strange, but I, I was pretty weird because I was so committed to the call of God in my life that I, I went full tilt with with learning. And uh, I remember reading lectures in systematic theology by Eric Thiessen when I was like 17 years old, because I wanted to understand theology. And I remember buying a youth builder book by Jim Burns when I was 16, because I knew I was going to youth ministry. So I wanted to start studying what it meant to be uh, to be in youth ministry. And I was, I was, I was going full tilt, like I was committed to this, this whole idea. So I immersed myself in it before I ever got to Bible college.
1: That's pretty incredible. Wow. Um, as a 16 year old you don't hear of that too much you know you know you kind of you've got the trajectory set this is where i'm going so might as well prepare now it kind of yeah. reminds me of david a little bit you know acting like a king before he was ever uh, ha- had the position the official title which is really cool and on that note jeff just uh, we're going to get into uh, some leadership questions here in a second but What's your, you've been in ministry for a bunch of years now. You spent four in Pembroke, 13 here at district office, and then currently at eight there in Orleans. Um, what would you say your favorite, absolute best part of being in ministry is for you? It's people.
0: It. Uh, I've, heard, I've heard people say,
1: answer.
0: You know, yeah, no, it's the truth. I've heard pastors say, you know, I, I love ministry. I just hate people. And I, and I can't understand that. Yeah. I I love hearing the journeys of people. I love watching people take steps forward, seeing them mm. get stretched and having God moments. Um I you know me, I I have a network of friends all over North America and some friends around the world and and I love being part of their stories and just seeing what God's doing and people who've been in been in my church like when I was youth pastor or even now and getting launched out and seeing God do things in their life. It's it's about it's about seeing god's destiny f- fulfilled in people's lives and uh yeah if if we don't love people we we we've completely missed what ministry is about oh it's so good and i can
1: uh, i can definitely attest to that you know as somebody who's um uh, who you've brought me into your life and made me a part of your life for so many years now i know that's one thing you do so well is celebrating the giftings and the strengths and of and, and just other people's journeys. And uh, it's one thing I, I definitely see in you, Jeff, and I love about your leadership, is um, it's not self-centered. You're always looking to promote the other people around you and, and their giftings and their strengths. And uh, that's that's a really great, and I think even somewhat of a, a rare quality today. So um, I appreciate that in you as well. Jeff, before we get to the leadership top fives, which we're is a fairly new segment we're trying here on the Leadership Matters podcast, um, I'd love it if you would just share. I know we're in the midst of a pandemic, and this will uh, this podcast will be aired uh, December and uh, in a in a over a little over a month. And but in the midst of this current pandemic, we found ourselves here. You are a lead pastor in the nation's capital, there in Ottawa. You're leading a church. Um, what's on your mind in this season? I mean, I talk to so many leaders, as I'm sure you do. And there's various, you know, people are exhausted. You hear the exhaustion, the tiredness, the burnout, the fatigue, all of it, right? And, and I think a lot of it traces back to so much uncertainty. But I think there's some deeper rooted issues there as well that have maybe been pre-existed COVID even. But I'm wondering, what, what are you currently thinking about in the midst of all this? I know you're a sharp leader. You're a forward thinking uh, leader. And so I'd love to hear your heart in this season. What's on your mind?
0: Yeah. And, and I, I, it's a great question. And, uh, and I've experienced the things you have just expressed the tiredness and the stress, and I'm not sure that's going away anytime soon, but, but I, I have a number of things going through my mind. Um, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that when we get back to quote normal, whatever that looks like, that it's not going to look like anything pre COVID. Um, I, I, there's a lot that's being exposed right now in the church. Um amongst staff members and, and, and pastors, we're we're recognizing our blind spots, the the weak areas of our church, yeah. uh, the discipleship deficiencies, um, how committed some people are. We're we're recognizing the the cultural shifts in the church world, um mm-hmm. people who people who uh come to church because it's the right thing to do, but but if it's available now online, do they need to make the commitment to the building, the location? Um, what does faith look like in the middle of this? Hmm. Um, for some people it's about surviving, but but the kingdom needs to keep going forward in the, in this season. So how do we, how do we help people live out their faith um, in a way that, that can respond to the pandemic? Yeah. You know, like my, I shared at the, uh, in one, in one session somewhere that my wife is really good at connecting with our neighbors um, being intentional. And so when we knew we were going into lockdown, she, she got an Amazon and bought three of our neighbors, uh, a family package, just like based upon who was in their home and what right. a like game and something else. And just to send them a little note saying, Hey, it's from the Hilliers. If you need anything, here's our cell phone number. Wow. And I shared that. I shared that with, people in our church. And it was like the, the lights came on, like, Hey, that's, that's a great idea that we would never have thought of. And, and I just realized that people, people are so dependent upon the church building and the programs that we really haven't asked ourselves, what if it didn't exist? Hmm. How do we do faith without that? Um, And so, yeah, I, I, what I'm wrestling with is what we, we as a staff need to be focused on most. What are the big rock items for leading people into the into the next phase and jerry i'm not a prophet but i don't think that we will ever return to what once was and there are all kinds of statistics and research showing what percentage of people are actually planning on returning Um, i feel like i feel like when we get back to quote normal I I will be restarting where I started in 2012, looking at an entity and going, okay, now how do I lead it forward? Um, if, if there's any leader out there who's just waiting for the moment where they can go back and do what they once did, they're missing it completely. Yeah, that's good. I feel like I feel like this is actually a bit of a God moment, speaking yep. to the church, saying. Hey, let, let me get your attention. There are some things I've wanted you to do that you haven't been paying attention to, but I'm going to force you to think about those things right now. Hmm. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where, where we lead people in the future. You know, even as, as we were talking about a building program, I'm not making declarations, but I, I have to ask myself, if people aren't valuing the building because they can see what we can achieve online, What does that mean for us in the future? Where do we need to put our resources? Even, uh, I'll I'll give you one more. Yeah. Uh, A lot lot of pushback on on whether or not we should be fully open and and pushing back on the government. And and I've had, had conversations with people who say the government has shut down the church. And and Mm -hmm. my response back has been, no, it it actually hasn't. I can still preach the gospel. We can still worship. We can still pray. Just our methodologies have been forced to to shift. And and so people are now meeting in homes, waiting for the gathering point, which which was something that was the the, the kind of church that we have, the big gathering point was something that Constantine produced in the theater style of church. But what what the early church actually looked like is exactly the way it looks right now in this yeah. pandemic. Yeah, and so it's we it's a good moment to teach people. Hey, let's not be married to our methodologies because our methodologies weren't how the church started. Let's let's actually figure out what is biblical that we should be mm. doing and how we need to deliver those those things in this in this current state and in yeah. the future state. It's oh, so good. Refreshing to hear
1: leaders talk that way too, because, you know, you end up having a lot of conversations sometimes with leaders who, like you mentioned, are just waiting to go back. And, and I, I totally agree. I just affirm that, Jeff, that uh, I think it's a missed opportunity if, if that's all we're waiting for. This is an incredible opportunity for the church to rethink and reshape, and, and maybe it's a bit of going back even to our roots um, in, in various yeah. ways. Uh, on that note, one final question, and I know we could talk about this stuff forever, but what's a question not many leaders are asking these days, but you think should be asked? And maybe you kind of already addressed it. Maybe you just addressed it in what you said a little bit. But anything outside of what you've already said that comes to mind, uh, just a, a question that you don't hear leaders asking, but you think we should be.
0: I know I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it's, I think understanding what what we must do versus how we must do something Mm. like i think i think too many leaders are focused on on the how like we we must be in a building we must have the people before us we must this this and this The go back to acts find out what the early church were doing what must we be doing and then asking the question okay how could we deliver that um like Jer, i I talk about constantine and if you do a little bit of church history research you'll find out he's the one who implemented the theater style church services we we are so married to to that season where he is trying to enforce christianity upon the empire we we actually think it's biblical and and I think we have to, this is, our, this is our moment to ask what is truly biblical for the church. It's a, it's a re, re-examination of our ecclesiology. Yeah,
1: oh, that's so good. This is truly a, a real moment for the church. And I just hope and pray, as, as I know you do, that leaders are present in this moment. And, uh, you know, for various reasons, not, not just waiting watching and yep. waiting for things to return because like you said, I, I don't think that it's ever going to return. We're ever going to go back to what we were, have become so accustomed to and that's not a bad thing. Um, all right, let's 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 transition a little bit here, Jeff, and, and get to some leadership top fives. Um, this is the second time we've done this and uh, and we're just looking to, uh, I've just been really thinking about leadership a lot lately and just what are, if we could pull, you know, kind of some some real um, things that would help leaders listening to this out of your life, you're, you're a seasoned leader, you've been doing this for a while, um, yet yeah, you're still young, current, relevant, all of those things, um, and you've pulled off a lot in your lifetime up to this point, you've seen a lot of wins, um, some short term, some longer term, and so I'd love to ask you some questions, both personally and then a little bit In your in kind of your leadership as well, that I think will help listeners. So first one, let's get right into it. This one has to do; it's more personal in nature, and this has to do with a a personal habit or discipline. And I just love to know, um, you know, when it comes to something that's been really effective in terms of your personal disciplines you you have, as I'm sure you do, and I know you do, in your own personal life. Um, so think of one, talk about one that maybe maybe the one that yields the most results, because I know there's so many as leaders, we have so many personal disciplines and habits in our life, but talk about one to our leaders and to myself today that that you've really found yields a lot of results for you personally.
0: Yeah, I, I, when I saw the question, I, I immediately was going to lean towards the spiritual because I know that's what's supposed to be said about <laughs> prayer and, and reading your Bible and, sure. and those are those are foundational. And if, if there's a Christian leader out there who doesn't have that stuff, they they really need to get out of ministry until that's in place, <laughs> but I'm not going to start there. I'm just going to assume that that's in people's lives. Yeah. The, uh, the one I'm going to suggest, it, it may be surprising, but I, I actually think that the greatest discipline in my life is getting organized. Hmm. And, and it starts, it actually starts on either Sunday afternoon or early Monday morning. Um, I, Jerry, I'm, I'm, convinced that the reason why most leaders can't get to where they want to get is has nothing to do with a lack of vision or even resources it's because they're not organized wow. they, they haven't managed their own life well and so they haven't created margins that allow them to spend time on the things that matter most hmm. and so and and i'm i'm not just saying this for me i've i'm i'm I lead a team here and I've had multiple staff through the eight years I've been here. And I have this conversation over and over and over again with staff members about getting organized. I even just had it last week with one of our staff members. Yeah. And, and for me, it's Monday morning. I, I have a, I have a journal uh, that I carry with me uh, every day when I'm, when I'm not in Ottawa. Like if I'm down in Coburg for district executive meetings, I'll bring it with me yeah. and it, I start off and I look at, all my, all the things I need to do that week. I start with my big rock items, which is, which honestly is my sermon. My, the first thing sure. at the top of my list, I spend Mondays, get my sermon, the slides for my sermon, my small group questions for my sermon, get that done. And then I, and then I list all the other things that must happen and the things that I like to have happen. And then, and then I open up my calendar and I actually block, block off time in the week, um, based upon those tasks. Yeah. and uh, and i always reserve time and it's usually at the latter part of the week on a thursday i always reserve time for vision or future tasks like like things that are not urgent yeah. so so things that um like if i if i know that i'm going to be developing a system for the church I, i'll give myself some time it's not due that week but if i don't block time for it i'm never right. going to get to it Right. Um, uh, I, I have time where I'll, I'll be focused on some future dreaming. It's where I might be focused on sermon prep for a year, you down the road, but it is always something that I don't have to get done that week, but I must get done if I'm going to move the, move our church forward. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so I, so I rely on that. And then and then I'm able to evaluate each day, what I've got done at the end of each week, I actually move things that haven't been done to the following week so that I'm not dropping anything. Right. right. Um, so that's one of my, one of my keys, but uh, I, there's other things I use, but I, I honestly think that, that we don't get to our destination because we don't have a map that gets us from one point to another point to another point, uh, along the way. We, we just hope that we'll get somewhere and we just, we have no strategy or personal plan in our lives.
1: Yeah, oh, that's so good. I was listening to uh, to a leader talk the other day. It, it, it's a book that's been written. I forget the author, but it's basically about goal setting to now, and setting the goal and then working your way backwards. What you know, if you had a five year plan to do something, or even a three year plan, what would I need to do in this next year to see that move forward, and then working your way back from that, what would I need to do this month, you know, that would get me to that, and then you basically work your way back to the minute. What would I need to do in this next minute? That's going to help me see that goal. It's called goal setting to now. And uh, I, I just thought that was a, a pretty cool idea. But I, it's definitely something I, I see in your life, Jeff, and something I'm really learning in my own life, just the value of a fixed calendar. Um, and, and that, how that creates so much space and margin, you know, you think, well, I can't fix myself. I don't want to be fixed to something because I won't have the flexibility to do. It actually frees you up more when you operate that way and creates more margin, margin, sorry, in, in our lives is what I've found. Anyways, I'm learning some new principles like the ninety ninety one principle, you know, the first 90 minutes of your work day, you know, for the next 90 days, you spend time on that one thing that you feel hardwired to do your greatest gift your greatest strength you know there's the 60 10 principle 60 minute to focus work and then 10 minute break you know and ordering your day that way and the five tiny targets for every day just like you i've got a journal that i write down early early in the morning my five tiny targets for that day this is what i will get accomplished that day and it's just oh it's set me on a new path jeff and so i just totally um, agree and concur with
0: with what you've just mentioned it's so good And and I think it's uh, like our our life is not just our, our occupational life. It's also our personal life. Yeah. And um, you know, when I was doing the youth director role, you've heard the story before, so I apologize that you have to hear it again, but I, I I spent my first three years on the road a lot and I, and I when they, when they hired a youth director, they, they had this intention that the, who they hired would be on the road, would be asked to come into churches. So I felt an obligation to always be on the road. So I figured if I could be home every other week and everything was fine. Well, by the third year, I remember pulling onto my street and, and seeing kids playing road hockey. And I said to God, hey, God, I don't want to go do the retreat I'm about to do. I want to spend the weekend with my boys playing road hockey. Yeah, And and after that retreat, my wife and I sat down and we we talked about this and how that I actually needed to get organized in my personal life with regards to retreats and that we needed to actually look at our calendar and not just say, do I have the weekend off? But does does my calendar, is it heavy that month? Like if if I know I am going into some big events, does it make sense for me to be away from home? Right. And so to get my personal life organized with my my professional life, uh, that was so key. And and I was able to say to people, hey, I actually have the weekend available, but I'm not sure I can do it. Yeah. And and people always understood. And okay. uh, and so Ainsley and I would talk about whether or not that worked. We'd look at our calendar, and I wouldn't say yes until I said until she said yes. And that that really changed things for me. Oh, that's great advice. Great advice for for leaders
1: who we always, you know, uh, if we're actually doing something uh, valuable, we're going to be busy, right? Uh, but it's it's yeah. so so crucial that we're organized and time management, all that, which I don't always hear um, all kinds of leaders talk about. So I'm glad you mentioned that today. That's great. Great advice. Let's move on to uh, another personal one. This has to do with relationships, family, marriage, and you just talked a little bit about that. So, beautiful segue. Well done. But um, what's the best piece of practical advice? You and Ainsley have been married how many years now, Jeff? 27. 27. Look at you. Um, and so 27 years, you don't just pull that off by not investing in a relationship as valuable as your marriage. And so I know that's one thing I see you do well. Um, and so what's, what's some advice? What do you think the, the best piece of advice? Maybe we've got some younger leaders listening to this who maybe not married yet or maybe are, but it's, they're under the five-year mark. What would you say to them? What's the best piece if you could just pull one out? And I know there's many,
0: but just one that you'd give to them. It's helped you? Well, you, you just use the word, uh, invest. And I think, I think that that's the key is that you, you can't let your marriage be static. You have to invest in it and you need to put energy into it. Right. Uh, You know, good leaders invest their mind, their heart, their soul, their strength into their, into everything they do. Creativity comes out time is put into it. We're willing to work the extra hours. We put a lot of energy into our, into our profession. If we're going to get things forward, why shouldn't we put more into our marriage? Why shouldn't we be thinking creatively how we can, how we can bless our spouse, how we can love on our spouse? Why shouldn't we be paying attention to putting extra hours into our spouse? Um, Finding, finding things that will nurture our marriage, uh, I, I think it's about constantly investing and not becoming passive towards our spouse or treating marriage. You know, you, you put all this energy in the dating into your, into your relationship in the dating season, and yeah. then you get married and you don't need to, you don't need to put all that energy in because you, you've you signed the deal. You got the b- bands yeah. on your hands, yeah. but you actually need to put as much, if not more energy, because you begin to see, you begin to see each other's warts, and frustrations come about, and that means you need to put extra effort to work through those things so that you have something healthy. If, so, 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 that's that's my advice. But, but if I could give you one line, and I say this all the time to couples, think about think about your marriage at the at the fifty year mark, right? You know, your your seventies, and you're sitting on you're, you're sitting on a on a swing, or you're walking what do you want that marriage to look like at, at the 50 year anniversary mark what what do you want that that couple in your mind to look like you want them holding hands do you want them looking into each other's eyes and still passionately in love like what's the future picture that you want that you've painted for the for how you want it to, to look like? And once you know that picture, you have to ask yourself, how am I going to get to that place? Yeah, It's the same thing in leadership. You 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 have a vision for where you want to go. And so you paint the picture first and then you begin to work your plan, get the vision of what you want the end goal for your marriage to be like, and then work your plan.
1: Uh, that's good. So good. Thank you for that. I know that, uh, that's helpful for, for, for leaders. And sometimes it's, you know, it's hard to even think that far in advance, but I think it's such a wise practice to do it's it's called vision. Right. And that's what we do so well as leaders, but oftentimes we leave our family and our marriage, our relationships out of the the vision casting. We do it for our churches. We do it for, you know, those places, but often it's our families that get left out of the whole vision casting. Um, And that's such a shame. It's the most important that we vision cast there first. That's good. Um, Jeff, uh, we're gonna move down to, to mission-minded. You talked about this a little bit already too in something uh, that Ainsley had done even in the midst of COVID. And so I wanna, I wanna go back there and dig a little deeper. Um, I, I know you're a busy leader and oftentimes as busy leaders, it, it can be difficult to stay on mission. And if it's one thing I notice about leaders, uh, often it's the seasoned leaders even, um, and, and I don't want to paint them all with a blanket statement, but uh, we, we can be so good at leading other people to do what we're not doing ourselves often. And so how do you stay outward focused? How does Jeff Hillier as lead pastor there in Orleans, how do you stay outward focused? What I'm really asking is, where are you currently involved in your community? And, uh, and if you have a story, you know, you don't have to share names obviously for, for confidentiality, uh, purposes but um, maybe a cool story that's happened to you recently out of maybe one of your relationships where you're involved in your community that'd be great
0: yeah you know I, I'll be really honest before coming to Orleans it was it was very easy for me um, because uh, I, I coached soccer and I was I was constantly with unsaved people and right had great like you know, I lived in Coburg and I had so many great relationships for 13 years. And and so I spent so much time and, uh, and even some of the people that, um, I built relationships in those years that they still contact me and, and it's, it's pretty incredible. So coming here has been, has been a difficulty because I coached my son for one year and then my sports world, uh, that connected me to the community got disintegrated despite my urges for him to keep playing sure so so really you know i i would say that there are two significant practices i i have in my life that um that are helping me one is i i continue to find an activity that keeps me connected to unsaved people and, it, and it's sports for me um i i'm not playing in some church league i'm not i'm not uh I'm not, I'm not isolating myself with just with Christians, although I do play sports with Christians, but, but for me, this is one of my, this is one of my stress relief elements and health elements. So in normal seasons, I play soccer at Carleton U uh, in the fall and in the winter. Uh, We play with, we play with some people from our church and some people from Peace Tower Church. And so, yeah, we have a Christian team, but, but we are constantly engaging it with people who are unsaved. And and building relationships. It might be, it might be the the uh, the referee, it might be the teams that we've played multiple times. We right. probably see it more so in in softball, which I played during the summer. Um, because we are in a we are in a, a league, and so we're we're meeting the same teams over and over again. And even this past year, uh this COVID year, where they, they put us in a softball cohort, and it was crazy because my first game I'm playing back catch and the umpire asked me what I do for a living. And nice. I start to talk to him. And I'm telling you, I, I would have been frustrated as a batter for the other team because he and I talked every single time I was behind the plate. Wow, that's cool. And 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 I invited him to the Global Leadership Summit and he watched one of my sermons and we just so i'm looking awesome. to be in places regularly that are on where there's unsaved people so that i can and I, you have to be intentional because because yeah. you can you can float back to the the christians that are surrounding you so true but the second thing is is that i actually i'm actually intentional with where where we go um on our on our date moments um so and 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 little things in life so like um I try to go to the same Starbucks, try to go to the same restaurants. I try to, I try to build relationships because, because I need something where, where it's not just a hit and miss, but that I can actually build relationships with people who don't know Christ. And so I go into Starbucks and the people know me and, and, uh, we, we have the food bank here in our church and, and one of the workers there who I've built a good relationship with, she, she saw me one day and she's like, Jeff, I saw, I saw your picture in the newspaper about the food bank. Are you connected with that? Nice. <laughs> so I can explain it all. Yeah. And we we want to give all our leftover food to the food bank, and just just through that relationship and be, being able to talk about what we do as a church, um, go to the same pizza place, Jar, yeah. and uh, and I know that sounds so insignificant, but I don't just go oh, in and huge. order. I try to I try to build relationships. So the manager. Uh, I started to build a relationship with him. And, and one day I happened to come in on a Sunday night and it was a rarity that we'd order pizza on a Sunday night. And I actually had a blazer on that night, which is also strange. And, and he said, he said, why, why do you have a blazer on? I said, I said, well, you're not going to believe this, but I'm a minister. No way. He comes out from behind the counter, sits down with me, tells me he's Muslim wow. and we begin to talk wow. and he, to open up about his life and his family. Do you know, side perk, do you know, I've gone into that, into that pizzeria and he's given me, he's given me large pizzas for the price of a medium. He's given me Come some on extra. Add-ons. He's, just, he's just blessed me because we've had, a re, because we've built a relationship. And when I see him outside of his context, he actually opens up to me about his life. And so I've, I've tried to continuously go to the same places and work hard to build relationships. Like, one more, we, the yeah. uh, restaurant in the byword market that Ainsley and I just kept going to a little Mexican place. We built relationships with the owners. She got pregnant. We bought her a gift for, for the new baby and they they were blown away. And we just kept going back and yeah. asking them how things are going, Remembered things about them, kept pouring into them. And so I, I don't think that you need to, I mean, I think joining a club is a great thing. I think there's all kinds of things to be involved in, in the community. Sure. Um, but I think I think you can put into the rhythm of your life ways to stay connected as long as you're intentional and not looking for all those sovereign moments where where you're doing nothing and God just sets the, the right. stage. Right. Work hard to build relationships with people.
1: Uh, it's so so good. So refreshing to hear you say that, Jeff. I, I think the key word and you mentioned it a few times there was intentionality. And I'll, I'll often hear leaders, you know, when it talked about in terms of living missionally, it's like, well, I just don't have time. I'm so busy. And, and I, too, just like you, I, I don't believe that living missionally is, is an add-on. I don't, I don't think it's about doing more. I think it's all about being more and being more intentional with our everyday lives. You're going to go get coffee naturally. Why not go to the same spot, build a relationship rather than, you know, spread yourself thin and go to five different spots when you could go to the same spot every day, meet the same workers, build a relationship, get to know things about them, give them gifts when they're pregnant. Just like you said, right? It yeah. really is about uh, building it into your what you're already going to do. Um, yeah. We live our lives and just being intentional with them. So that was great. Can I throw one more
0: out? Yeah. Just, just in the occupational side, because pastors sometimes think that the only place where they can evangelize is Sunday morning or youth service or whatever. I, I'm i constantly asking our city leaders what we can do to help. Hmm. And we we got a new counselor uh, about a year ago. Fantastic guy. I remember probably just maybe two years ago. I immediately took him out for breakfast. And I I just... I just saw this morning, awesome. we do this thing every Wednesday called First Cup. He posted on my First Cup post, which is a little devotional. And he just said, hey, thanks so much for continuing to connect to our community. Wow. And and that just came out of being, wanting to serve. And I genuinely, I, I think the world of this counselor, I but I, I'm looking for ways that we can serve our community and asking the questions and mm. the community will respond well. Oh,
1: that's good. That's awesome. So you listeners out there, if you're wondering ways, it could start as simple as that, just looking to serve the people around you. If you're a youth pastor, kids pastor, go to the schools, talk to the principals. How can you serve? It could be as simple as that, that that starts to build a lifelong relationship. That's good, Jeff. Well, ministry is a, a marathon, and I don't want to make this podcast a marathon. And we've been talking for a while, but this is this is good. This is so rich and, and meaningful. So thank you for doing this. I want to talk about uh, the marathon that ministry is for a second, and we're uh, we've got a couple questions left. We're almost wrapping this up, but um, leadership has often been referred to as a marathon, not a sprint—and and leaders. Um, I think as leaders, we we realize that charisma, competency. Um, you're a charismatic leader. You've got all kind of competence. Um, you're smart, um, and that might give you a platform. That might that might get you to a spot. But I think you'd be the first to acknowledge, Jeff, that it's your character that actually keeps you on that platform. And I know character is something you value uh, very much in your both your personal life and even your leadership. And so with that in mind, talk to us maybe about a, a guardrail, a boundary you have, you've placed in your life intentionally that you've put there that's helped keep you in ministry for this many years. I mean, you talked about kind of the track record, the resume there, you know, for 13, eight years. Um, that's a long time. But uh, again, you didn't get there without being intentional about even the, the character stuff. And so, what's a practice that you have in your life that's that's helped guard you and keep you?
0: Yeah. So I want to I want to lay a principle first, and then I'll talk about practice. I and this is going to probably offend some people. It's okay. I, I don't think we should trust each other or trust ourselves. Mm. Um, you know, you, we often hear, "Well, I I trust this person, and that's great." David trusted himself with Bathsheba. You know, he went out into the balcony and and he trusted everything was gonna be fine, but one thing led to another, and we all know where that ended up. I, I think that we we over trust ourselves because we think we're spiritual. and uh, and all it takes, and we we've all been there. We're tempted the most when we're tired, and ministry has tiring moments. Um, we're we're tempted when we're frustrated. When things aren't going well, we just want to throw wind or caution to the wind and and do whatever whatever whether it's whether it's abuse of power, sex, or money. But those are the three the big three in ministry. Right. Um, we those are those are the things that we want that we are, we lean towards and and we can trust ourselves. And so, I, I'd say don't trust yourself. It's <laughs> good. Be overly cautious. And yeah. I know I know I can get made fun of by. I don't know that, but I've, I've heard the odd little dig about like you, you're, you're being overboard with this. Uh, you know, Jerry, you know, this, I, I don't travel with females outside of, outside of family members. Yeah, uh, And I, I'll actually, this is a good, it's good. You're on the line. You were the youth pastor in Coburg, your wife and you and Melissa are like, like family to us. So uh, very innocent, but, Melissa asked if I would pick her up from, from the garage. You had just dropped your car off and, and we're driving and it's your first, it was your first week of youth ministry and I'm asking about it and it was a crazy first week and she's telling me all the crazy (laughs) stories. Yeah. And, and I had broke my print, my practice, but I'm thinking like, Melissa's like my sister. She's right. Like I'm, I'm not thinking anything, but as I'm driving, I'm, I'm aware that I'm in a community where people know me and they don't know they don't know that this this family like relationship between the Albrechts and the Hilliers. Yeah. All they know is I'm driving in a car with a good looking woman, hmm. and 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 it didn't bother me that I was with Melissa. It bothered me that I I had set myself up to to even have an appearance to the community that wasn't wasn't right. Right, and so. So that was like, that was a pretty key moment for me. I, I, I made sure that from that point on that I didn't drive with anybody of the opposite sex um, or the appearance I didn't want to ruin anything, right. but I also don't, I mean, not with Melissa, obviously, but I, I don't also, I don't want to have anything in my, I don't want to have any situation that creates temptation for me or the other person.
1: Yeah.
0: So I, I don't have that because you know, that that is a reality that they could be there with somebody of the opposite sex. So I don't dr- drive with somebody, uh, of the opposite sex or find myself alone with somebody of the opposite sex. Um, and, uh, I, I try to I try to really pay attention to my private life and make sure that that, that I have as little private uh, opportunities to mess up as possible you know so ainsley and i share the same facebook account so there's the correspondence that comes through facebook she has access to my phone she can pick up any point she knows the passcode she uses it all the time like there is nothing in my private world that she she doesn't have access to i'm trying to minimize my private world so i'm I'm being overly cautious with with the opposite sex because that's that is a huge fall for people um and uh and i and i'm I'm trying to minimize private areas of my life. That's huge and and wise. I I think
1: we see so many falls today, which is just, it's sad. It's devastating. It's devastating for for the leader, for the leader's family, and, and for the people that are underneath that leader. And uh, so we need to be, you know, over the top, as you say, or even overboard, right? Even if there are small digs that are made, I think character is the one thing that when you're intentional about building it, um, that, that it's the one thing that'll actually speak for you when you're not in the room, right? Yeah. Character actually speaks for us when we're not there to defend ourselves because people get to know your habits and your practices and your disciplines. And they say, no, that doesn't sound like that leader. I know, they, I know them and they wouldn't do that they they have they are very disciplined in that area and they wouldn't be a part of that and, and that people will actually speak up for you when you're not even in the room to defend yourself is what i've found um,
0: yeah i like Jira. even went like i let people know where i am if i'm not in the office like I, like my Anansi has complete access and and she's the one person who interrupts any meeting including a board meeting if she calls me i'll i'll answer it yeah. um, but people always know where i am there's never a question because you know the truth is is that you, you can't mess up if people are aware where you are Um, like, it's really hard. So, so I think, I think being setting up, being proactive to set things up, but if I could just touch the private stuff again, because I think this is really important. I I think most of our ministers will never, never get to the tangible hands-on whether it's finances, money or power, unless there are some private fails. Right. and and usually usually battles in our mind get lost before uh, battles in our outward life right and and i think that individuals need to really examine um especially in our technological world ways that they can minimize the that their private um making sure uh, the accessibility of garbage o- online is is unbelievable and i think that we we need to make sure that we are uh protecting private areas and, and minimizing as as many opportunities that we could have to grab hold of something, uh, yeah. minimize that. Oh, so do whatever cool. it takes. I, you know, I, I, there's a, there's a guy who's, who's in ministry who probably 10 12 years ago asked me to be his accountability partner through covenant eyes. And, um, because he knew, he knew this was an area he struggled with a private area that nobody would know. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm still his accountability partner. I haven't seen him in years, but I would call him if I got a bad report and I'd ask him yeah. about it and confront him. And, and he actually said to me about two years ago, I don't struggle with this temptation because I know someone's always going to call me on it. Wow. Power <laughs> so of he,
1: accountability. It's
0: good. Yeah. And he's minimized his private, his private world so that, the, that he can't go off in secret and do things. It's hmm.
1: good. That's a good piece of advice. That was worth the podcast right there, people. Thank you for your authenticity, Jeff, and sharing about that in that area of your life and some personal practices you have. Okay, final question. Um, <clears throat> we know that, that leaders are learners and uh, we never fully arrive as as leaders. Um, and knowing that, uh, Jeff, I know you're a lifelong learner. That's one thing I love about you is you, you don't quit. You are a reader. Um, and you read all kinds of books, um, and and I know it goes even beyond that. You know, with with other things that you do to grow yourself. So, talk to us about one thing you've participated in over the last year. It could be a book, could be a conference, could be a webinar, um, could be a podcast you listen to, um, a training session you were a part of. Uh, but what's something you participated in the last year that helped you grow, and and what did you, how did you grow by incorporating this in your life? What did, what's your biggest takeaway from it?
0: Yeah, this is good, Jar. I'm if I could just start off by saying I when I'm meeting with young leaders, I'll a, often ask them what their learning plan is, and they usually draw us a blank hmm. uh, because they figured that after they graduated from Bible college, they don't need to have a learning plan. Wow. But, but leaders leaders need to keep thinking about how they're going to stretch and grow themselves. Yeah. So I, yeah, you know, I took in uh, global leadership summit is something that I find highly valuable to, I think it was two years ago. There was one, one presentation where the, the uh, based on a book that, that has really transformed how I run our staff meetings uh, focused on wildly important goals and, and uh, it was great. Um, so I, you know, that's definitely one of the things, but th- this year, um, this year, I've really I've upped my reading game and uh, I've had good seasons and I've had bad seasons. Sure. Um, this year with the pandemic, you, there was nothing much you could do outside of yeah. being at home. So I, I just kept buying books and kept reading them. Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, one of the things that I did implement this year to help me with my learning is I actually download the um, Google Reads app. And I gave myself a a goal of 24 books to read this year, which includes audibles, um, which I will listen to while I'm riding my bike. I I don't listen to music. I usually listen to, to books. Um, I, I've already hit the 30 book mark, which I'm, I'm thankful for. Like I've exceeded my, my expectations. Thank you, COVID. Um, (laughs) but that helped me because it helped me pay attention to whether or not I was actually, I was actually, um, following through with my reading plan. Um, so, so that, that helped me, but, but some books because you're asking about things that, uh, that uh, mattered. I, I'd say atomic habits is one of the best books mm-hmm. I've read this year. Good um, it, it really is about uh, making sure you put uh, figuring out how to put the habits into your life. I, one of the principles uh, that he talks about is this idea of stacking that if you know, you have one area that you have a habit already in place and you need to introduce a new habit, try to build that into that. Yeah. So, so, you know, in the at the beginning of COVID, um, the gym shut down, and that frustrated the life out of me. Um, so Ainsley and I made a decision to put, invest a little bit into having a home gym. So what I know that each lunch hour is a perfect time because it's part of my regular routine day. Right. It's a perfect time to to work out. So what we right now our office is in two days in the office. So the days I'm home, I um, I'm using my lunch hours to, to, to do a workout. Nice. And so I'm trying to implement that, that habit. So the atomic habits is a fantastic, like, it's a yeah. must read. Um, I think everybody's reading canoeing the mountains. Uh, I, I read it a couple of years or listened to it a couple of years ago on audible um, taking our board through it, taking your staff through it. Um, we actually are going, just talked about it yesterday about at the end of this book, asking ourselves where we want to go in this next season, how we're going to get there based upon the realities that are before us. But if I, but I'll I'll tell you one other one uh, that I've, I've actually done a lot of reading about apologetics this year.
1: Okay.
0: And, and it's because of our changing society. Yeah. I I'm recognizing, I'm recognizing that I need to get better at engaging with unsaved people. And that if I don't have, if I don't know how to engage with the questions they're asking, that I'm gonna I'm gonna find myself being ineffective in my evangelism. Wow. So so I've been I've been reading books on apologetics. Um, one, one of the best that I read this year was called Confronting Christianity. It's twelve issues that unsaved people um, ask questions about, and it's helped me to rethink some things. She does a great issue on the whole issue of homo- or a great chapter on the issue of homosexuality she talks about science which has been a huge um, focus uh, in the secular realm uh, as to why Christianity yeah. doesn't work yeah even even Jared I got I got a book on on the go um by uh, Hutchings H- Hutchins I can't remember his first name but he wrote God is not great. And I, I'm actually reading it because I want to hear what his perspective is on why why Christianity doesn't make sense and why it's offensive. I, I want to be able to interact with unsaved people, and so I need to understand their worldview. It's like yeah. it's like Paul in Athens, where he goes, I, "I saw your I saw your idols, and there was this one to the unknown God." He was able to respond relationally to them because he actually understood where they were coming mm. from. And so I think reading books that are from a secular perspective will help us understand how to engage with people.
1: Uh, That's good. Thank you for those. Those are great reads and and highly recommend uh, our listeners checking any of those or all of those out. Those are awesome picks. And uh, as you said, leaders are learners. And so it's a lifelong journey. It's not that you ever arrive and stop, you know, obviously, or you really bottleneck your own leadership. When we do that. All right, Jeff, we're going to wrap this up Um, quick, real quick question. As we do wrap it up, what would Jeff Hillier say to 25 year old you, if you could go back and talk to 25 year old you, what would you say?
0: Uh, I'd say this is personal. I'd say it's (laughs) going to be okay. There you Uh, go. I like every time my youth pastor just said to me today, I have the worst car luck and it's true. And I get stressed about those things. And it's usually, for me, I don't get stressed about the church stuff. I get stressed about finances and, and sure. cars breaking down. I want to so be responsible as a parent, yeah. as a husband. I've worried about way too many things that, that did not lead to my demise. Wow. <laughs> and and I'd advice. say, yeah, I'd say, don't don't get so worked up about the things that you're worked up about. Life has some hard knocks and you're going to get through them. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and you're you're not the only person Uh Craig, I, I texted Craig last night because I wasn't sure I was able to get on a district executive call and told him about my, uh, you know, the story that listeners don't But lo- my son losing our only car key to our car. And he's like, yeah, I, I have I have a story like that, too. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I, I'm not the only person facing this. And right. be fine. So I, right. I, I think I tell myself to worry less. Uh, that's good. That's good. And it, if you want
1: more on that, you could go and check out episode one of the Leadership Matters podcast. It was entitled just that, Just Breathe. And hey, yep. you're going to make it. You're going to be okay. All right, Jeff, as we conclude, a few final questions as we wrap up. First of all, tell our listeners today what Jeffy does for fun. We all want to know. What's your outlet yeah, what you I watched,
0: for fun? I watch soccer. Uh, play board games, and I ride my uh, bike in the summer and ski in the winter. I, I I'm a sports guy, nice. so uh, those are the things I love.
1: That's so good. Any last bit of advice, a resource, leadership nugget
0: you'd love to share with our listeners today before we go? Yeah, this is probably the thing I'm most excited about sharing. I I turned 48 in August, and uh and I got to tell you, it was probably the first moment that I I start to think about the fact that I'm getting old. Because I'm I'm pressing the fifty mark, and I'm yeah. thankful for all those kind people who tell me there's no way I can be forty-eight. Those are I love you to Bless pieces. Bless them. Bless them. Yeah. But but I my my staff was asking me about how I felt, and I said, you know, I'm actually frustrated. Because I only have about 19 years left if I, if I retire at 67, but I'll never retire. But if I retired at 67, I only have about 19 years left. And for me, that's not a lot of time. Sure. And there's so much I want to do for God. And I'm, I'm so driven to spend all my life for God that I want to make sure I give it all. So I was actually talking to God about this. and And I just said, hey, what do I need to do? To make sure that I spend every bit that I please you that when I when I cross the finish line, that you that I've given you my absolute best. Like, What's the one thing, God, that I need to do for you before it's all over?
1: Yeah.
0: And And here's the response I got back. Ask me every day what you should do for that day and do it and you will have given your all. A- I was looking for the big thing, Jer. I was yeah. looking for the radical, you know, wow. Abraham moved to another country type of thing. Uh, not that I want to move, but the, the, the big monstrosity, yeah. it, it's simply listening to what the spirit is saying for today and doing that. What it, what is God's, assignment for you in this moment this this very day who's the person you're Mm. supposed to reach what's the thing you're supposed to do it may not be sexy and glamorous but if you can do what god's asking you today then you've done all that you need to do
1: well that is a great place to wrap this up jeff that's that's pure gold i can see why you were so so excited to share that it's it's really about listening for his voice and doing what he says it is as simple and as complex at the same time as that Just like you said, Jeff, where can our listeners find you online? If they want to follow your story further, or maybe wanted to reach out connect about something you've said here today, what's the best way to find you online?
0: Yeah. I mean, our, I mean, our church website is cpcorleans.ca Facebook. You can, you can just look up my name. I'm there. I know, I know most of our younger leaders aren't on Facebook, Instagram. I think, I think I still have the DYD tag, uh, Uh, dyd Hillier. uh, That's it. That's the handle. Yeah, I think that's the handle. I never, I never changed it. Uh, And Twitter, it's jwj Hillier. Any of those places, you can find what we're doing.
1: Perfect. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Jeff, thank you again for spending uh, this meaningful moment with us here on the podcast. I know listeners are, are going to benefit from this greatly. And, and my life has been enriched by uh, not just the podcast, but your life and uh, our friendship. And so I just appreciate you so much. Thanks for doing this today. Wow, what a meaningful, rich, nugget-filled conversation I was able to have with my friend, Jeff Hillier. Uh, We're so glad that we were finally able to get them here on the podcast, and uh, I really hope that this was helpful for you in some way, shape, or form. And if it was, I'm just going to ask that you'd help us share the good news of the podcast by leaving a review wherever you get your podcast. If you would rate it um, or even share it on your own social media feeds, it really helps us spread the good news of the Leadership Matters podcast. I really hope that this episode has encouraged you, equipped you, and even empowered you in your life or your leadership, because your leadership really does matter.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Matters podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why don't you take a moment and subscribe on iTunes to ensure you never miss another episode. Until next time, remember your leadership matters.